0: G'day, my name is Jeff, and for the very last Zoom Church, we have the opportunity to look together at Luke chapter 8, uh, chapter 8 verses 22 to 56. Do please have your Bible open and let's look together for this last time at God's Word. I do hope to see as many of you as possible back at face-to-face church next Sunday. Uh, but uh, for today, Luke chapter 8 verses 22 to 56, let's ask God for his help. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, do please help us now as we look at your Word to Understand what it says and please uh, please help us to know more the greatness of the Lord Jesus Christ and to respond appropriately to him. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I reckon this world is pretty scary at the moment. There are so many frightening things. Uh, nature is scary. A couple of years ago, it was massive bushfires i remember going down on holiday to the south coast absolutely devastated by the bushfires this year it's been it's been devastating floods of course uh, north north coast of new south wales completely smashed we keep on hearing about climate change last headline i read was that uh, it's it's all too late even if we stop all pollution today we've already irreparably damaged the planet uh, nature is scary so many natural disasters. Uh, now we don't talk too much about the work of the devil in the world, but the, but the Bible does talk about it. And the Bible talks about three big ways that the devil is at work in, a, in, in, in scary ways in this world. Firstly, he's, he's tempting God's people. Secondly, he's persecuting God's people. And thirdly, he's inspiring false teaching. I reckon all those Uh, scarily on the increase as well temptation persecution false teaching i was talking to a mission partner uh, just the other day and he was talking about how china is becoming increasingly scary Uh, he was saying things are getting worse persecution against christians is increasing in china and uh, among Christians, apparently, there's heaps of false teaching. All these cults are arising because it's just so difficult uh, in the government situation to be able to have clear Bible teaching. India is apparently the same. Uh, we've, of course, of course got our, our Bible college in India. and I was hearing uh, recently about how the government is heading further and further towards an intolerant Hindu nationalism. Tell you what, you put China and India together, that's, that's a couple of billion people. That's, that's a fair proportion of the world that is turning more and more against Christianity. It'll be interesting to see what happens over these next couple of decades. Not just China and India, though, is it? It's, uh, you also see uh, the devil's work increasing in the West, in Europe, in the US. You see it here in Australia as well. Our own society is becoming increasingly intolerant of Christians. Persecution, uh, temptation, you see so many Christian leaders falling, Ravi Zacharias and, and so many others. Uh, persecution, temptation, false teaching. It seems to me like the devil is having a field day at the moment. Now, nature is scary. The devil is scary. Plus there's, of course, this whole pandemic thing. I mean, so many people throughout the world sick and dying with this terrible virus. Uh, apparently we're coming into a winter where we're going to have COVID plus the flu, plus Japanese encephalitis, uh, sickness everywhere. Now, I- I'm sure that frightening things have been happening right throughout history, but still it feels to me like, like it's getting worse. Don't you reckon? This world seems to be an increasingly scary place. In Luke's Gospel so far, we've seen Jesus talking about the kingdom of God. And he said that the kingdom of God will not be like this world. It won't be a scary place like this world is. Jesus said that in his kingdom, <clears throat> there, will be, there will be justice and peace and joy and freedom and safety he said uh, that his kingdom is a place where the devil's captives will be set free. It'll be the year of the Lord's favor. Uh, Jesus said that, that in this kingdom there'll be no more sickness or disease or death. The blind receive light, uh, sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised. Uh, in this kingdom, Jesus said <clears throat> that uh, his people who hunger now will be satisfied. Those who weep now will laugh. Those who are persecuted now will receive Their reward. Those are some big promises. Big promises. And the question is this Does Jesus have the goods? I mean, it's one thing to talk about it, it's one thing to make all these big promises, but can Jesus actually do it? Can Jesus establish this? promised kingdom of god can he can he defeat all the scary things the natural disasters the devil sickness death because those are some powerful powerful enemies well now in this next part of luke we follow jesus and his disciples they're traveling around I'm heading uh, to and fro across the Lake of Galilee. In the first section, they they get into a boat, they head across the lake, and a natural disaster occurs. A a terrible storm hits the lake. Now, apparently, these sorts of storms are, are quite common on the Lake of Galilee, Uh, Let me quote from commentator Daryl Bach. This is what he says. He says, given the Sea of Galilee's topography, such a storm could descend onto the sea quickly, without notice, and at night could hardly be anticipated. The sea is some 700 feet below sea level and is depressed with hills surrounding it. The hills on the east side are particularly steep. So cool air rushing down the ravines and hills around the land can collide with warm air above the lake and create an instant storm in the confined quarters. A storm hits. Uh, The boat looks like it's going to sink. The disciples are panicking. But meanwhile, Jesus is fast asleep. They wake him up, tell him the danger that they're in. And Jesus does something amazing, something powerful, with a mere word He calms the storm. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. Have a look with me. Luke chapter 8 and verse 22. One day Jesus said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Jesus then rebukes rebukes the disciples because he says, you you still don't get who I am. You still don't trust me. And they're they're amazed. In fact, they're even a a bit scared of Jesus. Who is this man? Verse 25. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. It is pretty impressive, isn't it? I've tried this myself. I've stood in a powerful storm, and I've ordered it to be quiet. Be still, I yelled. Didn't work. But but more than that, I felt ridiculous. Here I am, this tiny little speck, talking to the massive, unhearing forces of nature. I can't do it, you can't do it, but Jesus can do it. The wind and the waves obey Jesus. If you think about it, it, it's a a little bit like what happened uh, with Moses at the Red Sea. Through Moses, God controlled the wind and the waves to to save his people and set them on their way to the promised land. Uh, It's also, for, for the very biblically aware, it's a bit like Psalm 107. Or uh, even the story of Jonah, where God stills the storm and and rescues the sailors. It's impressive. Jesus has authority over nature. Jesus can protect his people from these powerful forces. As like Moses, he brings his people into the kingdom of God. Next scene. Uh, Next scene, Jesus and his disciples um, they're on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. This is a territory which is—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's got a lot more non-Jewish people, a lot more Gentiles. So they've come across into uh, unclean Gentile territory, and there they run into uh, an unclean and a very scary man. Uh, this man is possessed by an unclean spirit. Uh, this, is, this man lives in, in the unclean tombs. He's a strong and dangerous man, a man in terrible pain and despair. Jesus orders the demons to come out of the man. But it proves to be not quite so simple because this bloke, he's possessed not just by a demon, this bloke is possessed by uh, a legion of demons. Now, a legion is a—it's a Roman army term. It, 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 a legion is made up of uh, four to six thousand soldiers. So that is a stack of demons torturing this poor man. Verse twenty-six. They sailed to the region of the Gerizines, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Now, for a long time. This man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he'd broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. Now, these demons are no match for Jesus. The best they can do is beg for mercy. But they beg him to send him into some pigs instead of straight to the abyss. Jesus agrees. The pigs are spooked by the demons and they jump into the lake and perish. Verse 31. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Now, please don't get too sentimental about these pigs. I realize, especially for an Asian congregation, the idea of all that pork belly going to waste is almost more than you can bear. But don't get distracted. First, notice it's not Jesus who kills the pigs, it's the demons. That is the, that is the self-destructive nature of, of, of evil at work. Second, again, we, we might not get this, but in a Jewish context, there's something very fitting about unclean spirits going into unclean pigs. As you know, pigs are unclean for Jews. And, and, and third, again, just in this historical context, you've got to ask, What are pigs doing there? Why are pigs being raised? It can't be for Jewish consumption. It's probably pigs being raised in Galilee for the Roman oppressors. These pigs are for the Gentile oppressors to eat. But also, do you notice, again, this is a little bit like what happened with Moses at the Red Sea. So God commanded the wind and the waves. The Red Sea parted. God's people escaped on their way to the promised land. But then the enemies, the Egyptians, were drowned. Well, here again, the enemies of God, following this story of Jesus commanding the wind and the waves, the enemies of God are drowned. That's the demons. Perhaps not so much the pigs. Anyway, the story ends with uh, two responses to Jesus. Uh, First, there's the, the people of the town. The people of the town come out, they see that the man is healed, but they're more worried about their pigs, more worried about their pigs than about the man. They find Jesus scary. Uh, They ask him to, to leave them alone, and he does. Verse 34. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. But then Jesus is more scary. The people experience this legion of demons, but then Jesus is more scary. Uh, Second response, though. Second response is of the man who has been set free. He's now in his right mind, and he wants to go with Jesus, wants to follow him. Now, obviously, in this context, Jesus can't take him. He can't have a Gentile traveling with him. But instead, he sends him off to spread the good news, and the man listens, and does as he's told. Verse 38. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. Interesting parallel there. Tell how much God has done. So he told how much Jesus had done. Point of the story though, Jesus has shown his authority Uh, First story, he's shown his authority over nature, stilling the storm. And now second story, Jesus has shown his authority over the demoniac, a legion of demons defeated with just a word. Brings us to our final scene. In our final scene, Jesus comes back to Jewish territory. Uh, A Jewish leader comes to him and asks him to heal his dying daughter. And Jesus goes, verse 40. Verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, a crowd welcomed him for they were all expecting him. Then a man named Jairus, a synagogue leader, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come to his house because his only daughter, a girl of about 12, was dying. Jesus heads off. Uh, While he's on his way, a woman comes to Jesus. Now, she's been suffering for a long time with a a bad illness, but, but she just touches Jesus and he heals her. Halfway through verse 42. As Jesus was on his way, the crowds almost crushed him. And a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. because this isn't just sickness. and doesn't just mean you've got low iron levels. This means you're unclean as well. She came up, verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, and immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing around you, pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out from me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go unnoticed, came trembling and fell at his feet. In the presence of all the people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Now, while he's been busy with this lady, Jesus hears that Jairus' daughter has died. Still, that doesn't stop him. Jesus goes to her house and he raises her from the dead. Verse 49. While Jesus was still speaking, someone came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, he said. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Hearing this, Jesus said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just believe and she will be healed. When he arrived at the house of Jairus, he did not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John and James and the child's father and mother. Meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning for her. Stop wailing, Jesus said. She's not dead, but asleep. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But he took her by the hand and said, My child, get up. Her spirit returned and at once she stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astonished, but he ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Once again, this is, uh, this is extraordinary. This is unique. This is amazingly impressive, isn't it? You, you and I would not be able to do this. We could not say to a dead girl, get up. But Jesus can. Sickness, death, they are no match for Jesus. Jesus. All right, can you see what's here in Luke chapter 8? Three stories. Jesus stills the storm and he shows his power over nature. Jesus drives out the legion of demons. He shows his power over the devil. And then Jesus heals the the, the woman and raises the girl from the dead. He shows his power over sickness and death. Nature, the devil, sickness and death. So what does it all mean? What's, What's the significance in the flow of Luke's gospel here? It means that Jesus has the goods. He has control over this world now and he has the power to establish the kingdom of God. He has the power to, uh, to, to lead us to the ultimate promised land of the new heaven and earth where there will be no more natural disasters like floods or bushfires, where there will be no more... Persecution and temptation and false teaching. Where there will be no more COVID or flu or Japanese encephalitis. Jesus doesn't just say it. Jesus has the power to do it. Okay, so let's think about applying this passage to ourselves. Uh, Two things to say. Firstly, uh, Jesus should give us confidence in the present And second, Jesus should give us hope for the future, confidence for the present and hope for the future. Let's just think for a a few minutes about both of these ideas. Uh, First, Jesus should give us confidence in the present. Friends, we do live in a scary world. Uh, Nature is scary. Hundreds and hundreds of natural disasters every year. So many things can kill us. Floods can drown us. Bushfires can burn us. In Australia, you've got sharks if you go in the water and snakes if you, if you go in the bush and spiders if you go home, let alone climate change. No, the devil is scary. With all his temptations, with his deceit, with his persecution manifest in our society and 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 in our wider world the devil is scary and and sickness and disease and death are scary it's scary to live in a pandemic we live in a frightening world but friends it's not out of control It's not out of control. God is in control. This is a fallen world, but it's his fallen world. This is a world under judgment, but it's a world under his judgment. God is in control. Jesus is in control. And his promise to us is this. He is at work in all things for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That's Romans chapter 8, isn't it? God is in total control of it all and he's using all of it to bring his people to glory in his eternal kingdom. And so what God wants for us is not to be scared, it's not to be frightened, it's not to be, it's not to be silenced. What God wants for us is to live confident lives seeking to please our sovereign Lord Jesus. I was talking the other day to our mission partner VJ. He was uh, finishing up his studies and uh, preparing to head back to Derudun in India. I was asking him, what's the the political situation like there? And he said, look, it's it's dire. It's dire. The fundamentalist Hindu party has just been re-elected, partly on a platform of um, making India India, more Indian, by which they mean more Hindu, partly on a platform of persecuting Christians. Now, Vijay has a wife. He's got two small children And so I asked him, "How do you feel? How do you feel about bringing your family into such a dangerous situation?" But you know what? He was completely confident about it. He said, "God is in control, and so we're just going to we're just going to trust Him and keep on serving." I want to have confidence like that, don't you? And we should have confidence like that, shouldn't we? Jesus should give us confidence like that. You look at this Jesus and his sovereign control, and we should have confidence to just get on with serving him without fear, knowing that he's in control. We should have confidence in the present. But more than that, Jesus Jesus should also give us hope for the future. I mean, all these scary things, nature, the devil, sickness, death, None of these things will be in God's eternal kingdom. In God's kingdom, these things will be just a, barely a memory. Long gone. We look forward to an eternity without fear. An eternity of safety and security and peace. My wife, Kamalina, she's, um she's not that keen on suspense. So if we we're watching a, a series on Netflix or something like that, she'll want to know in advance how it ends. So what she does, she Googles it. She finds out how it all ends, uh, makes sure it's going to be happy. Uh, that way she can just relax and enjoy the show. Uh, it's the same as she's reading a, a, a thriller novel. Um, she, come later will we'll, we'll go to the Go to the end of the book. Check out the last page. Make sure that she knows that it's, uh, it's all going to be okay. Then she can enjoy the book in peace. Friends, we know the end of our story. We know how it ends. And if you are in Christ, it's a happy ending. Nature won't stop Jesus the devil won't stop him. Sickness and death won't stop him. Jesus is better. Jesus is stronger. And none of these things will have a place in his eternal kingdom. This is a precious hope, isn't it? So friends, friends, here's the application. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear live boldly serve jesus bravely because jesus has the goods he's in control now and through jesus we look forward to a non-scary eternity let's pray a gracious god and loving heavenly father we thank you that the lord jesus christ is in complete control of this universe uh, over any natural forces, over any demonic forces, over sickness, over death, Jesus is in control. He rules and he loves us and he's died and risen again for us and through him we can be in your everlasting, non-scary kingdom. Our Father, please help us to trust Jesus and please help us to live then with confidence, with boldness, with bravery, knowing that our King is stronger than any of our enemies. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that we've been able to be together in Zoom Church over these last couple of years. We thank you for providing Zoom for us through this pandemic. We pray now that as Zoom Church ends, uh, that you help us all to be brave and to come back face-to-face, not scared of gathering with your people to hear from your word, but making it a, a, a big priority because Jesus is and should be number one in our lives. So help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.